0: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
1: People of Earth, if you can hear my voice, you have arrived at another episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope. I am your host, Brent Pope, and my guest today is comedian and CEO, Phil Ranta. Comedian and CEO? Yes. And Phil is great at both, maybe the brainiest Breakfast guest of all time. And he also produces a very interesting show called Own Every Word that combines Mad Libs and NFTs. And we will talk all about that. And that's not all. We had breakfast at an L.A. staple Mel's Drive-In. So let's go. We have Phil Ranta today on Breakfast. Pick it up. Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. I could go <laughs> on a Hallmark card. My uh, guest today. Oh, I'm going to need to hear... All about that. I didn't need any extra sausage. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> Is a goat pit a real thing? What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food too. I'm always playing blue collar guys. Let me screw through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. I love a crawler. Oh, yeah. All my uncles got the gout. Jalapeno slash cheddar waffles. Who doesn't love that? It's breakfast time. Breakfast. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. Bill Ranta, welcome to the tiny studio L.A. in NoHo. Thank you for having me. I like all the neon in here. It's tripping me out. Some people, it really messes with their heads. Yeah. I feel like with you, it's accentuating the comedy. Well, it makes me feel like I'm in this Mm techno-futuristic, like
2: steampunk world, and I want
1: to live in that world. By the way, it's also a time machine, and it is also that thing. So when you come out, it's going to be... (laughs) We've done this several times. It is a steampunk future. It's, uh, it's pretty bleak. but That's okay. But I mean, can it be we bleaker wear? than now? It's bleaker
2: like, than now, but wow. the wow. clothes are cool. There we go. <laughs> See, I consider that to not be bleaker than now because now I feel about as bad about the world as you can. So if the clothes are better, at least it's something,
1: you know? Well, well as Rogers and Hammerstein once said, Everything's better with a monocle. Don't look that up, guys. It's in an unpublished Rodgers and Hammerstein. I, I do not know that uh, one,
2: but uh, I, I just assume you're talking about Ramstein. And uh, <laughs> right. uh, I wonder if that's how they got their name, where they were like, "We crushed together Rodgers and Hammerstein and got Ramstein."
1: What do we all like? Oh, you like that? I don't like that. What about this? That? No. Oh, Rodgers and Hammerstein. Ramstein. Everyone looks better with a monocle. <laughs> Oh boy, we are off to, uh, we are off the rails. Already. Yeah, already. Uh, tens- <laughs> so it goes. So, no, it goes. Right, so we met a long time ago when yeah. we were both working out of the uh, iOS theater. R.I.P. Were you writing for Top Story at the time? I, I believe was, you were. Yeah, I was right. I started
2: writing for Top Story, God, what, 2000? It was right after it changed from big news to Top Story. It was yeah. like the first episode back. That's when I jumped over. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, Michael McCarthy told me I should. Yeah, I took one of his writing classes and he's like, check out the show.
1: So I reached out to Wilburn and now I'm in. I remember one of the I remember the first time I met you, actually. I don't know why I remember this, but you had a party in your backyard Mm -hmm. on the west side of L.A. somewhere. That sounds right. And that was the first time I met you Uh, at a party. And there were a lot of uh, Michiganders there. Yeah, I believe a lot of Michiganders. Well, it's weird uh, because I grew up in
2: Michigan. I went to University of Michigan with a film and video uh, major. So everybody from my film and video major either moved to Los Angeles or New York right out of college. mm -hmm. So it was cool because I got I moved to Los Angeles alone, but not really alone because there was like 50 graduates
1: with me. So that's kind of stayed my friend group. Can you explain this to me why there are so many Michiganders in LA, but very few Michigees? Yeah, um, that's it. I like can, it. Let's I like that it. Joke. I but I it can will...
2: explain it to you if you oh, want. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of Michiganders in LA because mm-hmm. Michigan is a terrible place to live. It's very, okay. very cold. Okay. Um, and there's not a lot of Michigese because the thing doesn't exist. It's just uh, you, you made it up. This Isn't makes it? total sense. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> See, the brainiest guy you've had on the podcast. (laughs) This is something
1: I should cut from the show. Yeah, probably. I won't. You probably should. (laughs) We're just wasting people's time at this point, but who cares? How many people right now are just looking at their watches like, how much? How I'm long does this go? I'm contractually hey obligated. Hey Siri, how long does this go? <laughs> I'm contractually obligated to listen to breakfast. Alexa. Oh, yeah. you shoot me in the head. I pay people to listen to breakfast. <laughs>
2: there we go. Well, you know, it, it's uh, play to earn economy is getting very popular these <laughs> days. So, I could imagine there will be a listen to earn app that comes out in the next 5 years where Really? Are you being serious? I'm dead serious. So the whole idea of play to earn and listener and all of these blockchain, I'll call them schemes instead of scams for fun, you know. But a lot of them say, all right, we're making ad revenue or it's being built on top of a token that the more usage it gets, the more value it gets. And therefore, let's split off some of that value and give it to the person who's participating. So if I'm playing a mobile game and it shows an ad and they make 25 cents from the ad, why shouldn't I get 10 cents for being the one that was forced to watch it? Right. Right. They're kind of like trying to do that for more and more things. So in the next 10 years, you're going to see play to earn. You're going to see listen to earn. You're going to be stream to earn, create to earn. It's going to uh, suck, but also be kind of cool. Wow.
1: That's, yeah. that's so weird. Welcome to the internet. <laughs> <Right>? Hey. <laughs> Have you ever seen anything happen like this thing where people are coming on stage now, like Academy Awards, Hollywood Bowl, not that long ago, people tried to... Not at uh, that level. But
2: I mean, when I, was, when I was doing stand-up, I'd do some bad, like back of a barbecue restaurant sure. kind of bad things. And every once in a while, you get somebody drunk who would like threaten you or yell not funny. And then if you make a joke about them, they'd stand up. But I felt like you were never quite afraid, or I wasn't quite afraid, because I knew there were people in the audience that would probably stop them if they really tried to do something. Nowadays, would I do the material I did back then? Probably not, because I don't know, like, I feel like people are empowered now to just go up and, I mean, if you look at how many people cheered on Will Smith on Twitter after that of like, great, defend your wife. I'm like, I would never do crowd work again, because part of crowd work is being a little insulting. And who knows if you insult the right person, if they're like, hey, I was one of those people who went on Twitter and said, go, Will Smith, go. And now the same thing's happening to me. I'm going to go up there, you know. So, yeah, I probably wouldn't do crowd work, but I'd still do stand up.
1: And that's a a shame, too, because I feel like crowd work is underappreciated part of stand up comedy because it's something that's necessary at some points. And also it's something that's you see something in front of you and you react
2: to it. Right. Yeah. Well, I also consider it a bit of a skill piece, right? Like, yeah, exactly. I, I look at it kind of like a Second City show where you've got your musical piece, your blackouts, and you've got your skill pieces where it's like, oh, these aren't just people reading lines. These are people that are actually funny or talented, like yeah. improv, right? It's a skill piece. Right. And that's your chance to say, yes, I've got this well-honed material, but even off the cuff, I can bring it, right? It has to be crowd work. It's the only way that you can prove you're making it up. I mean, I don't think it's gone, but that, I think it'll be greatly diminished now.
1: First time I ever went to the comedy store in LA, I did an open mic. Mm-hmm. I was unremarkable. You know, sure. let's just say that. That's the nicest I can say about my setups. It, it was my three minutes was unremarkable. Yeah. But you get to sit there and watch the rest of the night and people just show up sometimes. Yeah. Eddie Griffin showed up wow. to do like uh, to workshop his uh new special was coming up. Not even planned. And I know it wasn't planned because he's wearing pajama bottoms and a t shirt mm-hmm. and uh like sandals, dice clay shows up. Whoa. This is like late nineties. Sure. And he proceeds to do no material for twenty minutes. Complains a little bit about uh how his wife made him go get milk at one, at one <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I go, get milk. I go go go. The pink yeah. little <laughs> Miss sat yeah. on Duffet. twat. Wow! And, the, and then just goes after people in the crowd for like <laughs> fifteen go. minutes. And it was brilliant. I was like, he's not doing any material. He's just like, oh, what's funny about this person? Oh, and right. if they get mad about it, let's do that a little bit more. Yeah, totally. And if they like it, then I'm not. I'm gonna let it go and I move on to something else. You That's know, like his brand. Yeah, and. People have many opinions about Dice Clay. He was very nice after the show. Mm-hmm. I, he was walking by and I said, like, hey, good job, Dice. And he stops and comes like, hey, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. You know, there I'm you, like, go. you don't have to do that. People don't have to do that. Now, he might have been in a much worse mood at some other point and told me, like, oh, F off, kid. Yeah. I had a good interaction with him. And I was just like, wow, Dice Clay just talked to Dice Clay after a show. I felt like I really lived in L.A. when that happened. Yeah. You know? My point is, Dice Clay probably still would do that crowd work. Oh, but yeah. But like you said, some people may not. Yeah. And that's a shame because it's kind of stifling. You don't want to go do comedy and then feel like, oh, I have the urge to talk about this in the crowd because I think it could be funny or maybe not funny, but it's going to be something that comes out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And now you're just afraid to even do it. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame.
2: I mean, it crushes those of us who are more talented with improv than with the actual stand. Like it, it hurts our superpower, you know, like we've done a lot of improv. That's our superpower is being able to be
1: off the cuff. So. Well, okay. Let me talk about this. You had a group. Uh, I think those of your like buddies. Maybe they're from Michigan, uh, Bro Squad Five. Not from Michigan, but yes, okay. we
2: were. We did comedy together for ten years. Yeah. So not Michiganders. No, Michiganese. Uh, not Michiganese either. Not Michigas. None of that. There
1: was a little Michigoss. little Michigas! <laughs> little on. Miss Muffin, say it stop it. Nice man. So, LA friends. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you had a specific when I went to see a Bro Squad Five show. I knew that it was going to be a very specific brand of comedy. Yeah, tell me about that because you guys had like all these rules about like, well, you can't do this, and if this happens, you just got to freaking go with it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: our, we we came from a little bit of a different sensibility. I think that we were we were a group that were addicted to absurdist comedy, mm-hmm. um, which oftentimes you don't you learn to not do absurdist comedy in a lot of ways in improv classes because it's about following lines of logic. Especially UCB, it's like. Find the game, heighten the game. Like it's it's about yeah. like scripting. Ours was about never get comfortable. Right? Mm. We love Kids in the Hall. We love the state. We worshipped at these things. So we're like, well, how do we translate that to to improv? We're like, well, we've got to spend the full twenty two minutes in free fall. So as soon as we land on something, we got to change it. Yeah. And as soon as we get comfortable with that, we got to change it again. So every show we had was either really really absurd and fun or a complete disaster and we were fine with it you know when we had our best shows we felt like they were truly transcendent in a way it was hard for other people to do improv but when we did a bad show it was like the deepest failure you could possibly have really and we we were addicted to it like we just wanted to have that free
1: fall well i felt like you were a group also if you went down in flames you did it spectacularly yeah there was no like oh we're kind of you can sense the energy kind of drooping right If it was failing, you were just like, let's just keep going at it with more and more energy and what's going to happen is going to happen. And I appreciate that that about you guys.
2: Well, what I think really helped is um, Lehman, he's no longer with us, but Lehman was the one in the group who had true contempt for the audience. Mm. Like he actually, his favorite moments were when he was being booed or when people were bored. He thought nothing was funnier than. So, like, he would make inappropriate 9-11 jokes at weird oh, times. He would, like, talk about someone do crowd work. Whenever we do a scene where somebody would go into the audience, he would try to make people uncomfortable oh, in the wow. audience. He would try to get everyone to turn against him in the intro. Like, when we would be like, hey, we're bro squad five. We're going to get a suggestion. He would try to, like, snipe something in the news that everybody, like, right now with all the abortion stuff going mm-hmm. on, he'd be like, let's hear it for all the pro-lifers, <laughs> right? He'd oh, be okay, that Lord. guy just because he loved to absorb that hate. Yeah. So, yeah, I felt like there was uh, something about when we would be having a terrible show, he would start getting more energized. So he would keep lifting us up and up, and he kind of became our energy beacon during bad shows and keep us from, like, going, "Wow,
1: well, this sucks, you know? Wow. Oh, I have to mention this since you mentioned the state. Yeah. We We live in L.A. We see stars, yeah. actors that we respect. But sometimes you're like you see somebody like this hits differently. A couple weeks ago, I had a throat thing, mm-hmm. and I had a big audition, so I had to go to. The, there's a place in L.A. Ringo. It's like they get throat products, and they Ooh, have like a bunch of them. Fancy. But it also they also have like uh, you can do your passport photos there. <laughs> it's one of those <laughs> UPS notary, all those things. I love it. The throat thing is very very good. Very a lot of special stuff there. So I come in, you know, I'm like I don't know. I have my mask on. I'm like, hey. uh. I got a throat thing. I got an audition tomorrow. So I need my throat to be good. They're like, ah, we got stuff where he Starts pulling out all this stuff. And I go, what's going on? I said, oh, I, yeah, I got a callback for this thing. He goes, oh, cool. And they're like, hey, he's got a callback. Uh, get him this stuff also. Because they're like, oh, he needs extra stuff. Hmm. And then I noticed this guy standing over here with this kid getting a passport photo is Ken Marino. Hey, I love Ken Marino. From the state. Yeah. And I see Ken Marino and I have to walk by him and I just go, you're very funny. I was like, I don't want to bother him, but I was like, I want to tell him you're a funny dude. I've enjoyed a lot of your stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, thanks, man. You didn't want to throw some quotes from the state at him or anything? I did not. I didn't want to throw that. I want to dip my balls <laughs> in it. There we go. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's the, I,
2: whenever I think of Ken Marino, all I think of is I want to dip my balls in it.
1: I think of that. And I also think of Burning Love. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love? I love Burning Love. You know, yeah. Jeremy Cohen, uh, who's been on Breakfast also, yeah. probably, uh, you know, Jeremy Cohen. Totally. Edited all of that. I did not know that. Cool. Uh, that and Children's Hospital, like all these nice cool comedy things. Anyway, uh, Burning Love and Ken Reno's playing the fireman that's like The Bachelor. Yes. And he's like, Valerie, will you accept my hose? (laughs) 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 Or will you hold my hose? God, so good. It was so funny. I had these tiny fire hoses that they would hold instead of roses. God's genius. Anyway, I get all my throat stuff. And as I'm leaving, I walk past him. He goes, hey, take care of your throat, man. You're going to kill it on that audition tomorrow. And I was like, thanks. Ken there Marino. Go. I don't think I said thanks, Ken Marino, but in my head, I was like, thanks, Ken Marino. It right. was <laughs> really funny. Yeah. Down. Thanks, Louis, the guy with only one catchphrase who says it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> the State is an underrated sketch show. It was a little, I don't know what the word was. They had great catchphrases on that show. And it was, yeah. it was a really funny show. It was one of many. Mr. Show is probably my paradigm yeah. of that time period, I guess. But yeah, you got uh, Michael Showalter, who's like, up am Doug, and I'm out of here.
2: Right, yeah. Well, it was one of those, just like they—they they were not afraid to do something that didn't work or was too stupid. Like they were—they played stupid so well. Thomas Lennon, yeah, totally also brilliant. And of course, uh, Ben Garant was on it too. Who's ben Thomas Grant. Lennon's writing partner? Oh, who's the other guy? Michael. Uh, there's David Wayne oh, Michael and Michael Showalter, Michael Ian Black. Michael Ian Black, yeah. Michael Ian um, Black. Todd Hullaback. Oh yeah. Geez, <laughs> you're going yeah. deep. Deep into the state. Well, I also have a uh, autographed picture of all of the state above my computer. So I, I went deep. I went uh, deep. Them and Kids in the Hall, and in Living Color, and Saturday Night Live, and in Mister Show from the '90s, were all the things that made me go. You know what? I'm going to LA to be a comedian.
1: You heard it right here, guys. Phil Ranta, Deep State. <laughs> deep State. I went deep
2: in the state. That's why I work in technology now. Well, we are anonymous.
0: Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Before
1: we go any further, we did have a great breakfast at the uh, Staple, uh that is Mal's Drive-In. Oh, I love it. Uh the one in we were at the one in Sherman Oaks, I believe. Yeah, that's right by my office, yeah. Nice. Uh it's, you know, it's one of those when you're talking about you want to go to a place like a 50s diner, this is it. Yeah,
2: they never, is change, they never change the recipes. They never change the decor. It's yeah. like, it's the 50s, you know.
1: And the jokes. And oh. the jokes, hey, Little <laughs> Miss Uh
2: What did you have at uh, Mel's Drive-In? I, 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 I might get this wrong, but I don't think I am. Well, and,
1: I, and, and if you do get it wrong, it's because we sometimes get things that come in the way and we'll have our meal and all of a sudden like, oh, we can't do the show, so let's do it later. This was like six weeks ago when we had yeah. our meal, actually.
2: No, <laughs> we were supposed to do it right afterwards, and then I had to cancel. My daughter had a speech therapy class that was on Saturday just at the time, so... Yeah. But, yeah, I got a, a chorizo omelet, I believe, mm. which... uh I'm a chorizo super fan. I don't think I ever tasted chorizo until I moved to L.A. And now it's all I want to order. I don't think I ever had it until
1: I got to L.A. either. I'm also a big fan of soy riso, which I think tastes 90 percent like chorizo. I'm into soy
2: riso, too, because really chorizo is about the spices. Let's be honest.
1: It's spicy enough
2: that you could put it could be chicken riso. I probably wouldn't know the difference. Yeah.
1: I believe that I had a Denver omelet. I grew up in Nebraska, which is pretty close to Denver. Uh, There we go. Close (laughs) enough. Nothing to do with that, but. I do think it's a delightful combo of like it's diced ham and uh, cheddar cheese Mm -hmm. and uh, oh, and bell peppers. That's what that's the three things usually get in a Denver omelet, which I think is a great combination. I make it at home usually without cheese, but uh, and without ham. I guess it's not really a Denver omelet. No, Uh, I made an omelet. At that Uh, point, you just put ingredients (laughs) in eggs.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's weird. When does a thing cease to be a thing if you're missing (laughs) ingredients? Like, can you call something a Chicago dog if it doesn't have the spore peppers? You
1: know, or or the. Radioactive. Right. Uh, the neon relish. <laughs> or the... I call it radioactive
2: relish. It looks like uh, I, it's so I don't know how they make that relish, but it is unnerving to look at. It looks like Play-Doh.
1: It looks like Homer Simpson was working at the right, power yeah. plant and uh, had a mix up with the
2: those glow and, sticks in Halloween yep. from the 80s that you snap and then they glow. It looks like they just sprinkle some of that on there and go, now put this in your body.
1: I'll be honest with you. I don't really like the taste of sweet relish, mm-hmm. but also just the color of it freaks me out. I yeah. don't know why. I was like, am I putting, This looks like I'm, like you said, it looks like glow sticks. Yeah. Now I have no problem with a Chicago dog without the relish. Right. And I, and I won't put ketchup on I'm not a monster, according to Chicago people. Totally. I won't put ketchup on it. Mustard is fine. But the neon relish. Then I, it's not I, a Chicago dog. Yeah, that's the question though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. If somebody says, I'll have the Denver omelet hold the ham, is that a Denver omelet? Yeah, I don't think so, because ham feels like the
2: quintessential ingredient of a Denver omelet. What if you just get it without cheese? Is it still a Denver omelet? I think so. Like cheese feels like, maybe it's because it's the same color as eggs. It feels like it just kind of blends. What about no eggs? (laughs) Yeah, no eggs? Sure. That's a Denver omelet. (laughs) No, because the word omelet has to be eggs and the word Denver has to be ham, right? How do you know how it
1: came to be called a Denver omelet?
2: I assume that there was a guy named John Denver uh, who uh, would go into Mel's every day and be like, "I I sang Rocky Mountain High." And I want
1: here's a here's a weird story about me. Apparently, this is true. Uh, the first time respond to a question that mm-hmm. I had drawn a picture, the first picture I ever drew, where somebody asked me what it was. I said it was John Denver. There we go. <laughs> I, said, I don't know. You were like two years old and you went, John Denver. Yeah. I said, John Venner. I said, yeah, John Denver. You know, well, I got me found man. I got me old fiddle, <laughs> There we and go. To
2: go. Some and then fiddle. you took out the spoons and started playing them <laughs> yeah. on your knee.
1: They're like, Brent is really good yeah. at country you music. You really are from Nebraska, are <laughs> wow. you? Jeez. Thank God I'm a country boy. Like, He's clearly a country boy. Right. <laughs> you just had a long piece of hay sticking out of your mouth. <laughs> then I went into Rocky Mountain High. They're like, no, no, that's that's. That's enough. We're, it's, right. And then I went into Annie's song. It's like the, right. and then all of the Muppets things. There we like, go. Uh,
2: and then you toured with that for five years. <laughs> then he got addicted to drugs. Yeah. And after two yeah. ex-wives, you realized yeah. you wanted to go home. And yeah.
1: They used to call me Lil Brent Denver, there we go. Lil Brent Denver, <laughs> Lil Brent and then Denver. they then they started touring without me, and they weren't allowed to call it Denver anymore because I wasn't in the band. Yeah, anywhere. that makes sense. Yeah, so. and you
2: used to love the ham. <laughs> that's right, and that's why they call the Denver omelet the Denver omelet. Thank you. After I, Lil
1: Brent Denver, after Lil Brent Denver, who <laughs> one day discovered he had drawn John Denver could sing all of there his songs, there we go,
2: and lost his fame when he ordered a Denver omelet without eggs.
1: That was the end. <laughs> Picture this. I want to pitch this show to you. A young boy eats, <laughs> eats a Denver omelet, but he adds neon relish to it. <laughs> all of a sudden, he can draw, draw John Denver <laughs> and
2: all of his songs. You know, that feels like the kind of movie pitches that sell now. Like but, last night, I just saw the, the Nick Cage movie, the, uh, the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Loved it. I thought yeah. it was awesome. But I feel like people have now gotten so savvy to three act structure and what movies are supposed to be. And it's so hard to come up with something different enough to sell it that we've all had to go outstandingly abstract or meta, which I'm happy about. Right. Like more midsummer, less everything else. Right. Right. I just want give me some weirdness. I'm cool with that. But like that was such a weird movie. And they've got a
1: mainstream release. You know, it did. You know, it's to me, it's kind of like that. Being John Malkovich, how that was such a weird idea, but like totally worked. Yeah. Um, And had a actor playing themselves. Right. And it was very
2: like Charlie Kaufman too, which is, you know, like Charlie Kaufman, if I, I'm not necessarily going to like every movie he does, but I'm going to appreciate what he's going for. Right. You know,
1: by the way, thank you for taking me to Mel's diner. Uh, Mel's, I call it Mel's diner. It's Mel's drive-in. Yeah. Uh, I love the atmosphere. Food's, food's always tasty. And it's it does one of those places that transports you back to like the fifties, similar to if if you go to some place like the Pantry, right in L. A. Griddle Cafe, yeah, uh, places like that. So,
2: well, I should thank you. You covered the check, but also oh. what I like about Mel's. There's a couple things I like about it. One, it's quiet enough you can have a conversation. Two, there's always seats and you're not crammed next to people like most places in Los Angeles. And three, you always
1: know the quality is going to be fine. Right. And you can always hear in the background one of the three people that died in the plane crash.
2: There we go. Um, Hello, Hello, baby. <laughs> oh, I'm dead in a plane crash. Look out, baby.
1: Ow! plane crash. My legs are on fire. Well, then I'm the day. We went to fly. Then I'm the day. Oh, you're cutting this far, hey, hey, right? Yeah. That I die. True. Ooh, this is the darkest Oof. thing we've ever done. Dude, it,
2: wasn't Buddy Holly only famous for like eighteen months before he died? Too he was super young, man.
1: Yeah, I think so. It was, was Richie
2: Valens? Yeah, both very young. It's just weird to think that Buddy Holly and the Crickets had that many singles in that short a time, and then he died. He had like a lot. that's
1: pretty crazy. Same with Ritchie Valens. Yeah, he had like three or four giant hits. Right? right? Uh, It'd be like Olivia Rodrigo dying right
2: now. We're yeah. just like, oh my god! Imagine. Yeah, mm, wow. I hope not. Stay safe, Olivia. Olivia. I know you listen to the show. Yes. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Big fan of Brent. Right, of course. <laughs> Thank you for going to Mel's of Drive course. into sea. That was fun. And that was a dark take on the plane crash that happened a long time ago. You know, it's I, it's time for us to heal. You have a show that I've done myself called Own Every Word. And I, I described it in the intro as being kind of a mixture of Mad Libs and NFTs. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know that much about NFTs. And some people have a negative connotation. So can we, yeah. can we talk about all this stuff? I, I always thought NFTs is something like artwork that I own, but I don't have it physically. Right. Not a um, bad way to think of it. Okay. How yeah. would you describe it?
2: I'm, I'm a tech nerd. I'm a tech CEO. Mm-hmm. So I always look at it from a bit of a, you know, technical standpoint, not a publicly marketing standpoint. But what it really is, is a video or photo file or any kind of media file, and then an underlying piece of software, what they call a smart contract. And there's a lot of stuff you can do with the software, right? So for example, if I were to... Uh, mint a piece of music as an NFT, I can use the smart contract to distribute music rights, right? So I can say publishing rights, master rights, whatever can go this way and this way and this way. So that software can be very useful.
1: So it's not something, it's not just something visual. It could also be something you can hear. It can be any media type. Yeah. Mm, And frankly, yeah, it could be anything. And also
2: like it could be a contract that you put on on a blockchain, right? It could be anything, right? But The real joy of it is that software allows you to have interesting interactivity. So there's a lot of scams going on in NFTs. It deserves its terrible reputation. I'll start with that. And with the crash this week, uh, I think a lot of it is going to right size the market in the right way. Mm. Um, But for those of us who have been in games and kind of interactive media, it creates this really cool new opportunity for people to participate in media in new ways. So for Own Every Word, it was something I developed alongside a couple of my comedy friends where we were trying to figure out, is there something fun we can do here? We decided to mint every word in the English language on the blockchain. Each one is a 10-second video with a funny definition for the word and then a funny pronunciation. So think of it like buying a TikTok, and then you own full rights to distribute that TikTok however you want. But then these words can be used in game shows. So the first game show we launched, on with the game show, which you were an awesome contestant on. Oh, thank you. Uh, is a kind of like Cards Against Humanity. It's a fill in the blank. And then everyone can submit their words to try to fill in the blank in the best way. And then our panel of comedians decide which one is the funniest, best, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then they win a prize NFT, which is their name mispronounced with the statement that they made with their word filled in. So it's kind of like a little bit of a status symbol. So very simple dynamics. We priced it low. We've done four drops. Uh, But the goal of the project is in the future to be able to build a lot of word games on top of it. So if you Mm. think of like the success of Wordle or even Mad Libs themselves, trying to find ways of like, what would this look like through a word ownership and NFT lens? And then how can we
1: reward people to do it? When you say Wordle. To me, that's like a perfect example because I play Wordle every day. Yeah, I do too. I also play Quirtle every day. I do too. Which is four. Yeah. I play Octordle every I day. I play that. That's yeah. eight. <laughs> and I play Cetochordle, which is 16. Wow. And you have 21 turns to get the 16. Ouch. Now, it's easier than you think because almost anything you put in is going to help you on one of those words. That makes if sense. If you think about it. Yeah. And sometimes you'll work on other words and you go down and you're like, oh, this wor- complete word is filled in. I just have to type in the word. But you only get five. But you only get five misses. misses. Then, but wow. if you think about it, like I go through, and this is my strategy on Wordle. Mm-hmm. I'll start out with later, sound, picky. That's yeah. got fifteen. I do the same. Fifteen, thing. Of, and then only I, mine is steel, corny, humid. There you go. Yeah. And then if I need one more, it's might, which copies a couple of the letters again, but I get a mm-hmm. I get an M and a G and an H in there. That's a good one. And then I've got eighteen out of the twenty-six letters. And then what you've got left is like. You can tell there's no Q, yeah. X, Z. I mean, you've got very few letters to work with, and you know where all the vowels are also, right. unless they're doubled somewhere.
2: Anyway. So like so, me, you probably get a lot of fours. I get a lot of fours yeah. because of yeah. that strategy. I got today, two. See, I almost got two today, but then, I, I so I missed the first one, but I got enough letters in mm-hmm. it where I thought I could actually guess yeah. the second one, and I missed the first letter on the second one, missed mm. the first letter on the third ah. one, and then I got, because
1: there was Don't multiples that? that it could be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kills me. It's fun. It's a good little thing. It doesn't take too long to play. I yeah. mean, a cordle plays a little, takes a little time to play, but you have the whole day to play. You can't, you don't have to play it right. all at once.
2: And I play Hurdle, which is the one where you listen to the first second of a song and then the second second of a song and try to guess the song.
1: I, I thought I was going to be good at that, and the first time I did it, I was not good at that at all. Maybe yeah. I need to play some more of it, but... <laughs> it's Well, it's tough because when it's a song you don't know, you're mm-hmm. going to bonk every time, right? Because yeah. it's like,
2: well, I simply don't know that song. But I've found myself to have like a 80% success rate on it.
1: So. Mm. I'll have to do some more. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I'm still at 100% on Wordle. There we go. I spent a few harrowing moments Yeah, out of maybe 100 times. I've had like maybe three, four times where I get to the last one, I'm like, I got 50-50 here, so... Yeah.
2: There, see, that's why I missed one. I missed one oh, where right? it was the same thing where I just had one letter left and then I bonked it four in a row. So, <sighs> And then shortly thereafter, I got a new phone. And when you get a new phone, then it resets mm, your score anyway. So I didn't care that much. But then I've had a perfect score since I got the new phone.
1: I mean, I've gone to sometimes if I realize there's like four or five choices, mm. trying to find a word that has three of those letters in that's it. smart. Instead of going straight for the word just to see if I can get one of them and then at least. If it's none of those three, I got it gotta down to two. I don't know. That's smart. That can be helpful. But I've also gone that way, of like, one letter left. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, I'm on the left. Right. <laughs> anyway, Own Every Word. Super fun show. People can watch it on YouTube. Yep. They can do, is it live on Twitch? Yep, Twitch every Wednesday at 7.30
2: p.m. Um, Pacific Time. Hosted by
1: left. the delightful Matthew Harris. God, he's so good as a host.
2: Yeah. As soon as he was brought, his hat got thrown in the ring as a potential host and we all went, yup, immediately.
1: Matt Harris, yeah, I, nobody that I know is a better host. Well, I'm a better host. but more, <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, besides me, of course. <laughs> For that show, Matt Harris is the guy. Yeah, yeah. he's great. He's great. Um, and, you know, I had him on the podcast not that long ago. Nice. Before, this, before your thing existed, I would have talked about, about Own Every Word. But anyway, Own Every Word, if you're into like Mad Libs, uh, and uh, comedians bantering and uh, choose. Now I felt empowered because I it, it, there's it's also there's also a little bit of words. Oh God, what's it called? Uh, where you leave out one word and it's like usually like dirty words that people put in. Oh, oh cards yeah, cards against Cars humanity. Cards against humanity. Yeah, it's got that vibe. I get so mad playing that game because I'm like, this is the word, right? And I'm just like, I feel like no one ever picks my words, right? And just like the game Clue. For some reason, I'm bad at that game. Mm -hmm. I've never won a game. I've never won any time I play the game Clue. I've never won. Never Because you just look at Colonel Mustard's picture and you're like, I know that mother did it. One time I played my niece who was like 13 at the time and she beat me like three times. There we go. It's just, I don't know. I'm good at a lot of things. Yeah. Clue's not it. That's okay. Uh, you and, can have a very and, and, full
2: life not being good at Clue. Well, I don't know. I think that might go on okay. my appetite. You're going to be okay. Good at many things. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. It'll be like Brent died from not a candlestick in the conservatory by Colonel Mustard and didn't guess it.
1: Had I seen any of these things coming. Right. If he was better <laughs> at Clue, he would have survived, that but were, R.I.P. They were all, the Clues were all there. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everywhere, man. That's a fun show. Uh, I look forward to doing it again. Maybe with a different host, Matt Harris. Oh. Right. Maybe we should get someone like Brent as well. Oh. Sometimes I don't <laughs> like people that are good at their job. Right. Because that's
2: competition
1: for the old Brent Meister. The old Brent
2: Meister. Uh, little Brenty Denver.
1: Thank little you. Brenty
2: Denver doesn't like the competition.
1: <laughs> Clear the path for Little Brenty Denver. Oh my gosh. Guys, if you'd like to get more breakfast stuff, such as pics of Phil Rant and I enjoying our breakfast from Mel's drive in, Go to my website, brentpope.com. You can listen to all the Brentfist episodes there. You can see clips from all my TV appearances in the official Brentfist store with a bunch of fun stuff. Shirts, mugs, stickers, free NFTs. Minted on the blockchain. Of Phil Ranta Ranta and Tim Robinson hugging as best friends. There we go. (laughs) It's in there, guys. $49.99. Look, it's in there. That's a bargain. Look, there's no underlying value, but you own it. You own it. <laughs> People do yourself a favor by picking up something from the breakfast store. It really helps us out. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to breakfast. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Breakfast is being enjoyed all over the United States and in 54 countries across the globe. The latest, Singapore. So welcome, Singapore. Woo. Trust me, my breakfast burrito brigade. We are just getting started. Special thanks to my studio engineer, Marco Leon, and everyone at the fabulous Tiny Studio L.A., LA thetiniestudioLA.com for making me sound so good. Phil Ranta, what is next for you, and where can we find you on social media?
2: Uh, I am the CEO of a company called Wormhole Labs, where we're developing metaverse technology. Um, So go to wormholelabs.com for any updates there, or you can find me on any social media platform at Phil Ranta. Uh, but check me out on LinkedIn. I'm donning LinkedIn gear today. Yeah. But that's general. I'm an b- old businessman now, so find me on LinkedIn. And guys, you, Phil did let me know they have t-shirts and hats both. Yeah, you LinkedIn. get your LinkedIn schwag. <laughs> it's a very fun site, full of comedy. That's
1: right. <laughs> Phil Ranta, thank you so much for coming in. I had so much fun, and let's let's do it again real soon. I love it. Thank you. And with that, we put another nifty episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope. Mint in, it. <laughs> in the old to-go bag. See ya. Thank you